Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. What's up, church family? How y'all doing? Y'all excited to be here? Sick. Okay. All right. I hope you all are. Online church family, I'm glad that you're here with us tuning in wherever you are as well. I just want to take a a second really quick. Y'all, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Does that jazz y'all up? Come on. Does that jazz y'all up? Uh, To me, sorry, I got to go off script for a second, but that that jazzes me up, y'all, that we have a place in God's house if only we believe in Jesus for salvation. That was off script for a second. But... I'm glad y'all are here this morning with us. And, and, and today I am honored to be in front of y'all. And, and we, are, we are wrapping up this series, I Want to Change, So Help Me God. And, and, I, and I'm honored and privileged again to be here. And this, throughout this whole entire series, we've been talking about change, right? In week number one, I want to do a quick recap. In week number one, we talked about our spiritual who. And we talked about how when, when we want to change, real lasting change isn't behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation, right? Like we learned that we can kind of change our behaviors, like when we're around certain people and we're, we're doing things, but real change doesn't happen until we let the Holy Spirit take control, right? And we will let the Holy Spirit take control of our lives. That's when we get to reflect Christ in all we do. Week number two, we talked about our spiritual why. And we learned that you do what you do because of what you think about you. And and we talked about why do we do the things that we do? So maybe y'all went out and kind of thought about that. The example that I have is, man, I want to be financially set. But why? Why do you want to be financially set? What's your spiritual why in that? And so maybe you want to be financially set because you want to give more to your church. Maybe you want to be financially set because you want to glorify God with the resources he gave you. Or maybe you want to be financially set because you just want to use what he's given you very, very wisely. In week number three, we talked about our spiritual what, and and Pastor Brian kind of gave us this main point that we were supposed to think about, and it's based on who you want to become. What is one habit you need to start? We heard Pastor Brian talking about how we need to start habits that, that glorify him and push others to him and get rid of our bad habits. Right, and on the screen behind me, we didn't have enough room to put the, the cycle on there today, but the, the habit cycle is this. You've got a cue, you go into the craving, the craving uh, creates a response, and the response is then into a reward, and the habit cycle goes over and over and over. And after that service, you know, specifically, I kind of went home and, and was starting to think about, man, what habits have I created? Like, what, what do I do in my life that isn't glorifying to God? And, you know, honestly, I went home and I thought, oh my gosh, like, I have a lot of habits that I do that aren't glorifying to the Lord, y'all, and I want to get rid of those habits and, and pursue holy habits, like Pastor Brian told us that we should pursue. And one of these habits today, I, I need to confess to y'all. You're my church family. I, I feel like I should, I should be open and honest with you, online church family as well. One of the habits that I've created, and it's been here about two and a half years, is, y'all, I rile up my daughter Ainsley before she goes to bed every night. I have to confess that to y'all, but any parents, can y'all relate? Come on, r- riling up your, I'm the only, me and Mackenzie are the only ones that do that. Okay, me and Mackenzie, we got, we got each other. We're going to break that habit, right? But it's not intentional, y'all. That, that habit is not intentional. Like in the moment, I like being loud. I like having fun. I'm playing with my daughter, 
But if you were asked my lovely wife, Ashley, she would say I do it on purpose. Right? And, and on those nights when I'm playing with Ainsley and I'm having fun, y'all, all, all I do is, is, is I think about having fun with her. Right? We're, we're playing tag. We're, we're doing these games. We're throwing her stuffed animals. We're shooting basketball shots. We're doing all of these things. And y'all, all I want to do is create memories with her. And y'all might be thinking, which one? Well, it's not really that bad of a habit. Like, that, that's okay. It's kind of annoying. Right? You know, you and your wife may go to sleep a little bit later, but that's not really a bad habit. Well, y'all. If you saw the look my wife gave me every night, <laughs> you would know, you would know that it was a bad habit, right? But in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, what habits have you created? Or what, ha- what bad habits are you trying to get rid of? And, and what habit, what holy habits are you trying to create? That way it glorifies the Lord. I, I pray that in all of those habits, good and bad, you're talking to God about them. Because without God, there's no way, there's no way you'd be able to change. Which brings us to our message today. And today we're wrapping up this series and we're talking about the cues in your life that make you fall. We're talking about those things in our life that cause us to go away from God into sin. And today we're going to be reading a story of a man who fell head first into his cues and which led him away from the Lord, y'all. But there's hope at the end of his story. This man that we're going to be talking about today had amazing potential. This dude has amazing potential. But he lost his way because he didn't set up those safeguards that pointed him back to God. So who are we talking about today? And you probably looked on your outline, but I'm going to give you some hints if you haven't yet, and then I want you all to respond when I ask you who we're talking about, okay? So hint number one is this, is this dude had amazing hair, right? If he stood next to Fabio, he'd make Fabio look like a little kid, right? <laughs> amazing hair. Hint number two, this dude had super strength, right? You put him in front of Superman, Superman, like I do, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to mess with you. Hint number three, this dude was pretty handy with a donkey jawbone. Okay, so with those hints in, in mind, who are we talking about today? Samson, okay, good, right? Okay, good. So we're talking about Samson today, and, and today we will see that Samson has a bunch of different cues, right? There's a bunch of different cues in his life that he kind of lives out, but today specifically, I want to talk about three main ones, right? And by the end of this, I can almost guarantee that every single person in this room, including myself and online, we can relate with at least one of those cues, and the cues are this. It's pride. It's moments, and it's people. So before we dive in, we've got to look at Samson's entire story, right? We can't just take this stuff out of context. We've got to see who Samson is and what he was all about. And so that brings us to Judges 13, verses 2 through 5. It says this, A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that in one second. So whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to the Lord from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistine. So before we jump into what, who Samson was and, and what he was all about, we, ha- we have to cue in kind of on, on this, this one term, and that's a Nazarite. Right? There may be some people in this room who have just walked into church for the very first time today, and they've never read Samson's story, y'all. That's okay. Maybe some of you in this room have read Samson's story before, and you're like, oh, I know, I know what that is. I've, I've read that in the Old Testament somewhere. That's good. Y'all, we are all working in the Bible together at different stages, and so we got to go back to see what a Nazarite is. That way we're all on the same page. And that takes us even further back, or 
further back into the Old Testament to Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, dot, dot, Done. And so we kind of cut off in a weird, a weird section of scripture right in the middle of this verse. And after that verse, it tells about what Nazarites should not do, right? But right here, what I want to focus in on today about what a Nazarite is, is a Nazarite is a man or a woman who makes a vow to the Lord, right? And this is very, very important. And this vow holds significant weight in those people's lives, right? Back in the day when somebody made a vow with a person, but specifically with the Lord, y'all, that held significant weight. Yeah, but, but not only was this a Nazarite vow that Samson was with, God himself went to Samson's mother before he was born and said, he is going to be a Nazarite. So Samson didn't even get to choose that. God said, you are going to be a Nazarite, y'all. So this is so significant. God made that vow with Samson, not the other way around. Now we see Samson and how significant he is in God's kingdom. Now we go into Judges 13, 24 through 25, and we, we hear about Samson's birth. It says this, The woman that Samson's mom gave birth to a boy named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And so we, we see a, a, a man that was selected by God. We see a man who God made a vow with, and we see that Samson had the spirit of the Lord stirring inside of him. And so if we stopped right there, and we had no other context about Samson's story, right? Let's pretend we had never read Samson's story ever. We're, we're kind of seeing this play out live. We would go, this guy's going to kill it. This guy was chosen for the Lord. He is going to do such great things. He's got the spirit stirring inside of him. He is never once going to fall away from the Lord. Yeah, well, that's not the case, because if it was, I wouldn't be here today talking to you about Samson's cues. And so we're going to jump into Samson's life, and Samson's first cue was this, in the blank, you can write pride. Samson's first cue was pride, and so we're going to take a look at Judges 14, 18. It says this, before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey, what is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you not plowed with my heifer, heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Now, this section of scripture right here is completely taken out of context, right? I didn't tell you anything that happened before. I haven't told you anything that's going to happen afterwards. And so in order to know what's going on, in order to know how this is what caused Samson's pride, we've got to look back. And so we go to uh, Judges 14, 1 through 2, and it says this. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young woman, a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Okay, so let me explain the story a little bit. So Samson, you know, going down to this city of Timnah, he sees this pretty girl. He's like, hey, this girl's really, really pretty. I think I want to marry her. He goes back to his parents where he's from. He goes, hey, mom, dad, I want to marry this woman. And they're like, okay, well, she's a Philistine and they're our enemy. But okay, if this is what you want to do, we're going to go do that. So now we're headed back to Timnah, okay? So we're headed back to Timnah, and as Samson is heading towards Timnah, he gets attacked by a lion. Y'all, and, and we know what a lion is, right? A lion is fierce, they're angry, they're mean, they're territorial, they're strong, right? Like if I was to be attacked by a, a lion, there's no way I would win unless God's spirit pushed through it, right? But God helps Samson in this moment. So this lion attacks Samson, and Samson then continues on, which is crazy. Samson kills his lion and continues. 
He then goes to this girl. He goes, hey, hey, pretty lady, like, I love you. I think you're great. Like, we should get married. You think so? She's like, heck yeah, I do. Your hair is sweet. Let's get married. <laughs> and so she goes back. He goes back to his family. He's like, hey, mom, dad. She said, yes, what up? We're gonna have a party. So they said yes, and now they're headed back again, okay? You're tracking with me? Okay, so he's headed back again now, okay? So Samson is now headed back again to go marry this woman that who's, who's gonna be his bride. And on his way back to uh, Timnah, where he found her, he walks on the same path that he went to, and he, and he sees the, the lion carcass laying there. Okay, and he's like, well, that's, that's weird. There's something inside of there. And so he kind of goes up to the lion carcass, bends down, and sees a, a beehive. And so he reaches in, grabs the beehive with some honey, and eats the honey. And y'all, this is significant because right there, Samson breaks his Nazarite vow because he is not supposed to touch anything that is dead. Significant. A step. Anyways, he gets that honey, he goes over to, to the Philistines or into Timnah, and on his way there, he's like, man, I'm bigger than these guys, I'm badder than these guys, I'm smarter than these guys, I'm going to challenge them with a riddle. And so as he's on his way back, he's thinking about what can I do, and that brings us to where we are in Judges 14, 14. And so Samson goes to these Philistine men, he goes, hey guys, I'm going to bet you 30 linen garments, you cannot answer this riddle. They go, okay, try us. So Judges 14, 14 says this, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Okay, and so there's no way, there's no way that they know the answer to this, right? Nobody knew that Samson had been attacked by a lion, right? He didn't tell his family. He didn't tell his bride. That attack was between him and the Lord and him and the Lord only. So there's no way that Samson knew or that the Philistines knew the answer to this riddle. But the Philistines, being an enemy of Samson, did not want to get one taken over on them. So they went to his bride and they said, you need to give us the, riddle, the answer to this riddle right now or we're going to kill you and we're going to kill your family. And so being scared and going, I don't want my family to die or me to die, she goes to Samson and with some persistent nagging, Samson tells her the answer and then in turn, she goes and tells the Philistines. And then that's where we pick up full circle of the story in Judges 14, 18. It says this, and this is the, fam- the Philistines of Samson. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey, what is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. You know, so Samson knew that they had gotten the answer from his bride. May not have known how, but they did. But Samson being a man of his word, a, a bet is a bet, he then went and had to pay up. And that brings us in to verse 19 says this, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. So Samson, in a moment of pride, wanted to take advantage of his enemies. Right? He wanted to show that he was superior to them, and he made that bet. Yo, but he ended up losing, and his pride got the better of him. So... If your cue in your life is pride, where do you see pride kick up in your life? You see pride kick up in your job, right? Like you're, you're working this job, and you're like, man, my boss is dumb, like my coworkers are dumb, like I could do this way better than them. You see your pride kick in at your home, like you're like, hey, my family is way better than that family over there. Man, my kids are way better than those kids, or, or I'm way better than my spouse, or man, my kids are not lift, living up to what I've called them to do. Does your pride kick in at home? 
Does your pride kick in when you're on social media and you're seeing people post things? You're like, my life is way better than that life. Like, I can post all these other things. Or you're starting to argue with these people because you have different political review, uh, views or, or religious reviews. Does your pride kick in on social media? Or, like me, does your pride kick in when you're driving down Williams and somebody cuts you off? Right? Right? And I'm like, oh, what is this guy doing? I've never done that before. As I probably just cut somebody else off. Right? Does your pride kick in? Where does your pride kick in? Where is that cue in your life if you deal with pride? Y'all, we've got to be cognizant of that cue in our life, and we've got to turn away from it. The second cue that Samson had were moments. You feel in that section, moments right there. So let's check out Judges 16, verse 1. And it says this, One day Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. So in a moment of weakness, Samson could not control himself. In that moment, the man chosen by God, the man that God made a vow with, not the other way around, and the man that God gave amazing abilities could only think about his fleshly desires. Now you might be thinking, well, how could he do this? Like he, he's got God on his side. How could he do that? You know, we're, we're, we're kind of going through Samson's life right now. We're on a, a high level, but we've gone through Samson's life. And so what, we, what, we, what we're not being able to cover through scripture, I have to explain to you, is that he, after he got mad, he stormed home, right? He was mad that his, his wife had told the, the answer to the riddle. He then goes back sometime later to g- grab his wife from the Philistines, but her dad had already given her away. Right? And so Sam, embarrassed, angry, probably upset, then heads to Gaza. He's not supposed to be in Gaza. He heads to Gaza, he sees a prostitute, and he sleeps with her. Right? So Samson now has done this. We see Samson take tiny step, tiny step, tiny step to where he was now sleeping with a prostitute. And this brings me, this whole thing brings me to a quote that I heard from Pastor Craig Groeschel. I don't know if you know him, but he's from Life Church. He said this. When you think about it, it's very rare that people end up at at a bad place all at once. How do people mess up their lives? They do it one bad decision, they do it one wrong step, and they do it one harmful habit at a time. Isn't that true? It's tiny, little steps. Looking at Samson's life, what we've read so far, we're about to get into the mess of it. The decisions he made, the habits he formed, And the lines that he crossed paved his way to where God did not necessarily want him to go. God used him through that. He didn't want him to go there. And the same can go for us. When you think about your life, what moments changed you? Can you see decision after decision or habit after habit or or thought after thought lead you to where you are today, both good or bad? For me, Prior to following Jesus, I see one decision after one decision that led me down to my path of rock bottom. What about you? What moments are a cue for you? For me, in college, it was the party that I attended every Friday and every Saturday night. What's it for you? Maybe like me, it's, when am I going to get that next drink? Maybe it's, hey, babe, I got to stay late tonight at work. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there soon. And then it happens again and again and again. Maybe your cue might be a little bit of gossip that slips out of your mouth, right? Like, oh, oh, I, I, I just gossiped that one time, but then it starts to become a tornado of gossip that you're spewing. It might be going out to eat one more time, and then one more time, and then one more time, and then one more time where your finances are, are burdened or you're feeling unhealthy. Is it that click now button on Amazon? And I'm guilty of that. Or is it 
going to Google, turning off your parental controls that you set for yourself. That way you can see the site that you're going to see. Whatever moments you're thinking about, y'all, we've got to give them to the Lord. And we'll see, though, that even at our worst, y'all, even at our worst, it sounds like a downer today, even at our worst, though, God is with us. So back to Samson's story. The last cue we're going to be touching on is this. Samson's last cue was people. So write down people in that blank. So we're going to take a look at Judges 16, 6 now. And so this is right after Samson laid with the prostitute, okay? So lost his wife, went to lay with the prostitute. Now he's with this lady called, uh, named Delilah. And so Delilah, and Delilah loved her, or Samson loved her, but Delilah had different intentions for Samson, All right? So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Guys, why would she ask him that? Like, what are the motivations behind that comment? Like, that comment, that question right there should have sent up red flags. Hey, Samson, honey, I love you. How can I subdue you? Guys, this is crazy. Think about it. Do you think he answered the way he should have answered? No, he didn't, right? Let's, let's check out Judges 16, 7 through 10. It says this, Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes to the, close to the flame. So this, the secret of his strength was not discovered. You know, and I love this. Then Delilah said to him, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Now, this is weird, right? It's weird. Yeah. Delilah asked him, hey, how, you, how can you be subdued? And then Samson lies. What a pinnacle of a perfect relationship, right? They had a perfect relationship. He lied to her, and then he found himself in the exact situation he told her about. Y'all, this is crazy. And you would think, oh, man, he learned. Wrong. Let's continue on verse 11. Verse 11 said this, and he, and that Samson said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him, <laughs> tied him with them. Then the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Guys, he told the woman that he loved a lie about how to stop him, and then for the second time, he ended up in the exact situation he told her about. Now, I know that this saying probably wasn't around back in the day, but you know the saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me once, or twice, shame on me? Guys, you think he would have learned? No. Let's continue. In verse, at the end of verse 13. He, and that's Samson again, replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Y'all, what is going through Samson's head at this moment? Not once, not twice, but now a third time he ended up in the exact situation he told her about. I mean, come on, man. You're in enemy territory. These people hate you. 
and the woman that you're with is trying to set you up. That way they can capture you. And you might be thinking, it's, <laughs> Troy, it's over now, right? Like he, he told her, hey, babe, why are you asking me this thing? Like it's kind of weird that I keep ending up in this situation. Or, hey, babe, how about you just stop asking me this because I don't want to tell you anymore because this is weird. Or third, and the best option, what if he left Delilah? Right? He did that. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> we go to verse 15 now, 15 through 17. And right here, y'all, we see how the wrong people in our lives can hurt us. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Have y'all ever heard that before? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death. Does that ring a bell of something we just heard not that long ago? His wife was nagging him to give him the answer to the riddle that ended up having him pay and leaving and not having that, that woman as his bride. Again, tiny step, tiny step, tiny step. The nagging happens again, and verse 17 breaks my heart. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Samson, Samson, Samson. Now, Samson played right into the hands of Delilah and the Philistines. And it wasn't like she goes, if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill your family. She didn't go, hey, if you don't tell me, I'm going to leave you. She didn't do anything, y'all. It was just tiny, tiny little word after word after word and nag after nag that finally broke Samson. So a person that Samson thought he could trust ended up hurting him. So how could he not see that, right? We're outside of, outside of the story now. How could he not see that? Well, let's look at us for a second. In the moment, we might be blinded by love, right? Think about your life for a second. Think about all the things that you've been through. Maybe you've been with somebody who had the best intentions, and, and maybe they did. Maybe that person had the best intentions for your life, but they ended up hurting you or causing you to fall away from your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, you see this group of friends, students, or even, or even adults here. You see this group of people. You're like, man, I want to be like them. They, they do amazing things. They go on these trips. They do all of these different things. And, and as you're starting to pursue them and you want to get into their, 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 their group together and you're, you're trying to be like them, they start to question your faith and go, well, this Jesus thing, that's not going to line up with what we're doing. Do we slowly start to veer away from our relationship with Jesus? Or, or lastly, maybe some of us here at work, we have a boss or we have a coworker who is, who is challenging our ethics or they're challenging our integrity to cut some corners. That way we can get our job done. Again, step, step, step. Who are those people in your life that you need to distance yourself from? Now hear me when I say this, right? We're supposed to love everyone. We don't hate them. We don't bash them. We don't talk negatively behind their back. We don't even necessarily cut them out of our lives completely. What I am saying, though, is that we need to be cognizant about who we are hanging around and the influence we allow them to have in our lives. I'm going to say that again. We need to be cognizant about who we are hanging around and the influence we allow them to have in our lives. If their influence is Christ-centered and they're pointing you to Jesus, hang out with those people. Those people are awesome and they want what's best for you. 
You know, but if you've got friends or family members or whatever who are pointing you away from Jesus going, this is crazy, what are you doing? If they're, if they're pointing you away, guys, you've got to distance yourself from them. But pray for them, right? Pray that the Holy Spirit would impact their lives. That way they would turn to Jesus. So now we're ending, or we're nearing the end of Samson's story, right? And you might be thinking like, gum, Troy, Samson kind of messed up. Samson didn't really do what, what God had called him to do necessarily. God used him through it, but man, his life could have been so much better. You know, I want to tell you in every single story ever, all of our stories in here, there is hope. There is good news, right? And so that's, what we, that's where we see in Judges 16, 25 through 30, and this is the end of Samson's life. It says this in verse 25, while they and the they is the Philistines who tied him all up and, and took him, right, after he, after he got his head shaved, right? So these are the Philistines we're talking about. So while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring Samson out to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may be laid against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more, once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And if you don't know that, they gouge out Samson's eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. What a turn of events. Right, we, just, we just walked through Samson's life in a very high level and step after step after step, it looked like Samson was doing the wrong thing. Pride, people, moments, right? But here in this section of scripture, when Samson was at his worst, right, he was chained up, he was humiliated and his eyes were gouged out. God was with Samson. God was with Samson through it all, even though he took those steps the wrong way. Which brings us to how we can recognize, avoid, or break our cues. And Samson said it best in verse 28 when it says this. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Now Samson prayed. He went to God. Samson knew that his only hope was in God, not his own power, not his own strength, not in his own wisdom, not in his own words, not even in his looks. Right? Samson knew that only God could truly save him from the, the place he was in. Now, I, I know that this story is, is crazy, right? Like, can we really relate to Samson? I mean, he did some crazy, crazy things, right? Like, like Troy, the, the cues that I have in my life that I'm thinking about right now, like, aren't really a big deal. Like, yeah, okay, I, I drink on the weekends on occasion. Or, or man, I, I spend a little bit too, money, too much money sometimes, and my budget kind of gets blown out of the water. Or I, I talk about people sometimes. Or, man, I, I only look at that stuff at occasion. Well, those things could eventually turn into big deals, Right, so the example I drink a little bit on the weekend could turn into, I need that drink to function. The next example, I might spend too much and my, bu my budget gets blown, could turn into, sure, my house is in foreclosure. That next example, I only talk about people sometimes, could turn into, man, she's never going to trust me again. Or, Troy, I only look at that stuff on occasion, could turn into, Troy, my, 
my marriage is ending because of my addiction. Now, hear me. These things may not become big deals. They may not become big deals. But do you think Samson ever thought that he would be captured, eyes gouged out, and humiliated? I can guarantee he never thought that was going to happen in a million years. But it did. One small step at a time, one decision after one decision. Ephesians 4, 27 through 29 says this, And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit those who listen. Now the key point right here, what Paul is talking about to the, the church of Ephesus is do not give the devil a foothold. Y'all do not give the devil a centimeter of ground. The devil is prowling around right now as a lion, and he's waiting for you to succumb to your cue. He's waiting for you to take that little step. He's waiting for you to do whatever it is that you're thinking about right now. Yeah, but luckily for us, we've got an amazing God who loves us and can help us through all of that, and he can protect us from that roaring lion, right, or that, that prowling lion. So in closing, I have a, a question for you. Have you ever thought about your cues? And if not, let me leave you with this. You cannot defeat what you do not define. So I challenge you this week to, to sit down and, and to think about the, the things or the, the things that cue you to fall away from God, right? Pride, moments, and people, those are just a couple of, of examples that I pulled from Samson's story. But there are many, many other things that we can choose from that could be cues. In the end, y'all, Samson gave in to his cues. He strayed from God's plan, but... God was with him through the end. God saw him even in his mess. So if you're struggling today and you don't know how you're going to get out of your queue or you're going, Troy, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yo, I want to I leave you some hope. Right, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus is there for you when you put your faith in him for salvation. Jesus can help you define your cues, but y'all, Jesus is the only person that can help you defeat your cues. We can't do it on our own strength. Give your cues to him, give those things to him, and he will help you through. If you're struggling today, and you need prayer, you're like, Troy, I don't know where to go with my cues. We're going to have some prayer partners at the, the ends of the stage. Please come pray to them or uh, come talk to them because they want to pray for you. They want to love on you and they want to point you towards Jesus. One housekeeping thing, I think Dylan mentioned it already, but we are having our, our um, meeting tonight. We're doing the finances and we're doing the elder vote. If you are a member or even if you're not a member, please come to that meeting. That way you can hear about the finances that we're doing for 2024 and also meet and talk to the elders that we're voting in. Y'all good? All right, let's pray. We're going to out of here. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for today, God. And, and thank you for Samson's life. It, 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 God, it, it looked like he just, he royally messed up his life, God. But even in the mess, even in the times that Samson strayed, you were still with him, God. And you still loved him. And, and we, can, we can see that in our lives as well, God, that we're going to mess up every single day. 
God, I, I pray that the people online and the people here in the congregation, they don't hear me wrong and, and think that they have to be perfect because we can't be. Only Jesus was perfect, God. But I, I pray that when we, we start to succumb to those cues or when we start to kind of lean towards maybe doing something we shouldn't do, God, we can bring that to you. We can, we can talk to you about it. And God, you can show us how to leave that cue in the dust. God, I pray for our congregation that they can be strong in the faith, God, and they can go out and tell somebody about you. God, we love you so much. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, go out this week and have God defeat your cues. Have a great week, guys.